Welcome to the Ark Church Podcast. On here, you'll find all of our Sunday and Wednesday messages, as well as classes and special services. If you would like more information about the Ark Church, visit us at thearkchurch.com or download our app available to all app stores. Our heart for you is that you would live for God, grow stronger, and make a difference. Enjoy. We're doing a series we started last week called, What Difference Does Christianity Make? And I want to talk a, a little bit more about that today. What, Christ, what difference does being a Christian make? Some people say, well, Christianity is just another religion, but it really isn't just another religion. And we want to talk about one of those differences this morning. It's the difference of the fact that we're not left alone. Do you realize loneliness is considered a major health problem? not just in the United States, but globally. Being lonely. Maybe some of you never felt lonely. Maybe some of you are thinking, man, I would like to be lonely just for a few moments. <laughs> but I'm talking about just that, that, that chronic sense of loneliness. In 2020 in Japan, at the end of the year, they created a, a new government position called the Minister of Loneliness. And their concern was that in the month of October, 2020, they lost more people to suicide in Japan than they did the entire year to COVID. And so they were, they're trying to find what's going on. And so they actually created a government position to try to help overcome this loneliness that people are dealing with. Because they find that loneliness and isolation deals to heart problems and dementia and eating disorders. In Japan, they actually came up with, a, a company created a robot that will hold your hand. Now, I, listen, you, you know you gotta be kind of in a bad place when a robot's holding your hand. But if, when people are lonely, they're desperate. And uh, another, another guy has a business where you pay him and he will just come and sit with you. Joy, I told Joy, she said, I could do that. I said, no, you'd be talking. He just comes and, and, <laughs> and sits with you. And, and, and just so you won't be lonely. And so it's a, it's a challenge, it's, it's a problem. We weren't meant to be isolated. And what's, what's amazing to me is regardless of the age, you people, well, you know, someone gets older in life, they don't need people. Are you kidding? I, I looked up the, the other day, I was doing research on dating sites for seniors. They listed the top nine. Evidently there's more than that. More than nine dating sites for people 50 and over. And I, I do resent the idea of 50 being seniors. Like, please. But, but it's for seniors. One of them's called OK Cupid. One of them's called Silver Seniors. <laughs> and they have all these dates. But you know, before they had dating sites, people used to actually run person, personal ads in the paper. And in fact, I've got some here from some Florida papers, Florida's well-known papers. L listen to this one. The heading is Foxy Lady. <laughs> Sexy, fashion-conscious, blue-haired beauty. 80s, slim, 5'4", used to be 5'6". <laughs> Searching for a sharp-looking, sharp-dressing companion, matching white shoes and belt, a plus. Long-term commitment. Recent widow just buried fourth husband and looking for someone to round out a six-unit plot. <laughs> Dizziness, fainting, shortness of breath, not a problem. <laughs> Winning smile. 
active grandmother with original teeth. <laughs> Seeking dedicated flosser to share rare steaks, corn on the cob, and caramel candy. This one's called Memories. These are all personal ads. Memories. I can usually remember Monday through Thursday. If you can remember Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, let's put our two heads together. <laughs> and then here's my personal favorite. It, it's entitled Mint Condition. Male, 1943 model, high mileage, good condition, some hair, many new parts, including hip, knee, cornea, valve. <laughs> Isn't in running condition, but walks well. Regardless of the age, people are still looking for love, they're still looking for relationships, and nobody wants to be lonely. You know, one of the, the beautiful things, though, about being a Christian is people talk about community, community. Do you realize that, that God doesn't just, we're not just a community, we're actually a family? That God sets, he, in fact, in, in Psalms it says, He sets the solitary in families. And that one of the benefits of church, you say, well, in a, in a church this size, you can't have a sense of family. Actually, you can and, and a church this size. And this is why we encourage you, get involved with our groups, get involved with our teams. Listen, I don't believe any Christian should ever be lonely. Amen. That we have enough people and there's enough interest and enough people from all walks of life. You should never be lonely here because God puts his people in families. Now, some of you are thinking, I got all the family I want, Alan. I don't need any more families. I'm talking about God's family is a good family and it functions well. And that's one of the benefits of church. But there's another benefit. It's a hidden benefit. It's a hidden advantage. And it's the fact that as a Christian, when you put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, God is with you. You're not alone. Isaiah, the 41st chapter. This was a, a promise to Israel, which applies to us as well today. This is God speaking. He says, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Would you leave that up there just for a second? This is, you, here you can hear the heart of God. He's talking. He said, don't, he said, don't, be, don't, don't be afraid. I'm with you. Don't, don't be dismayed or discouraged and despondent. He said, for I'm your God. We've got a good God. And he's with us. He said, I will. I will. You, you think, well, I am, just, I am so weak. He said, I'll strengthen you. He said, I just feel so helpless. He said, I'll help you. He said, I just feel like I, I, I can't make it in my walk. He said, I'll uphold you. Thank you. You know the parents and grandparents, you know this. You know when little ones are starting to walk and they're just starting, and you know sometimes they got that balance thing going and they're tottering and you reach out there and hold them. I can see God doing that to us. Maybe think, man, my walk has been a little shaky. He said he would uphold you. So we actually have an advantage that God is, is actually with us. Joy talked about feeling when she woke up in pain, she said, Lord, I know you hold my right hand. So the idea of God being with us is an advantage for us. There was a great story, I've told it many times, about the Indian tribe, Native American tribe, that had a rite of passage for their 13-year-old braves. The time a young man would turn 13 years old, they would blindfold him. They would take him out into the dense forest for miles. He did not know where he was. They would take the blindfold off of that young man and then leave him there, 13 years old, in the middle of a forest all night long. Now, it's dark, 
And you, you know, you're out there. You've ever noticed being in the dark, you start to see stuff. And you're thinking, oh, that looks like, that looks like a man standing there. Or you, you, you hear a noise, a twig snap, and you think, oh, that could be a predator. You hear a wolf howl, and you wonder, are they coming for us? That had to be a difficult night for that young 13-year-old. Standing out there in the middle of the forest, nobody around, just terrifying. But then, thank God, after an excruciatingly long night, the sun begins to show up, and all of a sudden that branch you thought was a man was just a branch. And you begin to see the, the flowers and the trees and you begin to make out a path. And then in the, in the glowing light, you recognize there's a man standing there. It's your father, armed with a bow and arrow. He's been just a few feet away from you all night long. This is such a great picture of our Heavenly Father. You say, well, I, I can't see God. I can't feel God. No, you can't see and feel him. Sometimes we do and I'm grateful for that. But for the most time, for the majority of our life, we don't feel God, but he's there. I can't see him, but he's there. I believe he's there. If he said he's there, then his word becomes the highest reality in my life. I believe what he said. And if he said he's with us, thank God he is with us. You see, this is one of the distinct advantages of Christianity is God with us, his presence with us. When the nation of Israel came out of Egypt and God delivered them with some mighty signs and wonders. He delivered them out of Egypt. And boy, you, you would have thought they were so grateful and they were for a little while. Then they started complaining. And then they started, I mean, they did all things. They created an idol out of gold, a golden calf and worshiped it. I mean, they did some stupid stuff. And God is talking with Moses. Moses was the one who God used to get them out. And God and Moses are conversing. The Bible said that, that Moses and, and God would talk as a friend, man would talk to his friend. And this is what God said. The Lord said to Moses, depart and go up from here, you and the people whom you brought out of the land of Egypt, to the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying to your descendants, I will give it. Go up to the land flowing with milk and honey, for I will not go up in your midst, lest I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people. And when the people heard this bad news, they mourned and no one put on his ornaments. God is talking to Moses and they're getting ready to go into the promised land. And it's, a, well, it's a good land. God said this land is a land that's got hills and valleys and you, you don't have to irrigate it because it rains and there's milk and the milk and honey meant it just was no scarcity in this land. It's just flowing with milk and honey. It's a good land and it's a, a beautiful land. But God said, but I'm not going. I'm not going with you. He said, I, lest I consume you on the way. Now, you parents, you, you, you can hear the heart of a parent here. You, you ever, ever said this to your children? You have been on my every last nerve. You, you, just, you make another peep and I will consume you right now. And you can just hear God going, you are a stiff-necked people. And if, if, I go, if I get in your midst, I will, I will consume you. And notice he told, he told Moses, the people you, Moses, the people you brought out of Egypt. These are your people. God's not even claiming them anymore. Your people. <laughs> but when the people heard that, they mourned. Even though it was a beautiful land, even though it was a good land, they mourned. They were upset because they were used to God's presence being with them. Remember, if you if you're read in the Old Testament, he would go before them as a cloud in the daytime and as a pillar of fire at night. They were always aware that God's presence was with us. And now God said, I'm not going. 
And for the people, even though they were going to a good land, a good land without God is not good. And this is what they were saying. Oh, Lord, if you're not going, this is not good. And Moses wasn't happy with that. In fact, it said Moses, after he heard that, he moved his tent outside the camp and he would go out into the tent and he would pray and seek God and talk to God. He called it a tabernacle of meeting. Other people who wanted to pray and seek God would come out to that tent. And when Moses would go in the tent, they said sometimes a cloud would cover the tent. And Moses is praying and he's talking to God and he's asking God, but God, God, we've we got to do something different here. And look what it said here. Lord, Moses said to the Lord, see, you say to me, bring up this people, but you've not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name and I've also found grace. You found grace in my sight. Now, therefore, I pray if I found grace in your sight, Show me now your way that I may know you and that I might find grace in your sight and consider that this nation is your people. Not my people, God. These are your people. And he said, look what God said. My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then he said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight except you go with us? so shall we be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. Moses understood that. Moses began to lean on the grace. He said, Lord, I found grace in your sight. That grace is the word favor. He said, Lord, I know I found favor in your sight. And if, I, if I, Lord, if I find favor in your sight, you got to show me who's going with me. You said you're not going. I, Lord, I, I need you to go. And God said, okay. He's a father. That touched his heart. He said, okay, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Wherever you see God's presence, you get a sense of rest. How many times have you ever come in here, maybe things have been turmoil and you start to worship and you sense the presence of God and a peace that settles on you. Thank God for that. So we had a lady one time said, Alan, I swore you guys pumped extra oxygen through the air conditioning vents because every time I came to church, I felt such a peace. That's not what we did. That's his presence. And when you sense his presence, there's a rest there. But God said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And Moses said, if you don't go with us, do not bring us up. If you're not going, Lord, if you're not going, I'm not going. If you're not going to bring us into this land, even though it's a good land, I'm not going. And, and the Lord, because this is how, what? Your presence is how we are separate from all the people on the face of the earth. Moses said, well, here's the difference between us. We're a people, we look like a lot of other people. They have their gods, but we have the living God. And your presence is with us. And that makes us different that makes us separate what about us are there any advantages in christianity oh yeah there are huge differences huge advantages in christianity here's one of the first ones we can we can take what moses said and we can apply it to us we are people who have found grace in god's sight in second timothy paul was writing and he, and he wrote to timothy he said God has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. You see, grace is God's favor. 
and his power towards us. It's so easy for people to think, well, you know, Alan, you're a pastor. God's favor and grace is on you. There's joy in your wife and she's perfect. And, um, and God's grace and favor, she's not, but God's grace and favor is on, is on her, Justin and Mary Beth. They sing and they, they can work. God's grace and favor. No, let me, I got good news for you. When you made Jesus Christ your Lord, the grace of God and the favor of God came on you as well. And so instead of having to look at someone else and going, I wish I was like them, or I wish God would hear my prayers, or I wish I could have a relationship with God. If you made Jesus Christ your Lord, God's grace and favor are on you personally. It's not about being called to be a pastor. It's about being called in Christ Jesus. And when you make him Lord, you are called. He's got a calling on your life. He's got a purpose on your life. And you have a relationship with him. And you understand especially you parents understand how you can have grace on your kids, but not on the kids down the street. The kids down the street are little gangsters, but your kids are just mischievous, right? Have you ever heard parents say that? Oh, well, I know those children, those are horrible children, but my babies, yeah, your babies. It's cause they found grace in your sight. Uh, Pastor Osteen one time was going to a football game with a man in the church and the man's son was playing and uh, Pastor Osteen was sitting with him. He said the son finally got in the game. He's running back. He gets the ball. He jukes right. He jukes left and he gets creamed. I mean, just people just pile up on him. He said in the, and the man nudged him in the ribs. He said, did you see those two moves? <laughs> the father saw the moves. Everybody else saw the boy get creamed because he never got anywhere. Let me tell you something. Grace of God sees you better than you see you. The grace of God sees you and you get seen through faith. You can walk. Listen, before you go to bed tonight, just try this. It may sound strange coming out of your mouth, but stand in front of the mirror and go, thank you, Lord. I'm your favorite. <laughs> so, oh, Alan, if I say that, lightning will come down and strike me. No, it will not. Thank God I'm your favorite. I've made Jesus my Lord. And when I've made him my Lord, your grace and favor came on my life and I have found grace in your sight. And that, hey, listen. You say, well, I'm not Moses. Of course not, but God is still God. And his favor is still for you. When you make Jesus your Lord, you get the grace that comes with it. We didn't earn it, but we can sure receive it. That's a good one. Here's the second one. We are also people who have his presence. I want you to listen to me just for a second. This is where oftentimes people have not made this a reality, but it's powerful that we have his presence. Paul wrote the church at Corinth. They were a wild group. I mean, they made Las Vegas look tame. And he wrote them and he said, don't you know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit? There's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And we have him living in us. So we're not praying, oh God, come down. Oh God, be close to me. He's in you. Joy talked about going into surgery when I went into surgery. You know what you know the thing about surgery is? When it happens to someone else, it's minor. When it happens to you, it's major. And I was getting ready to go into surgery. They were going, there was a number of years ago, they were going behind my eye. They were going close to my brain stem. They told me all the negatives. But Joy and I prayed and agreed about God's helping and on his hand on the surgeon, he would guide it. And I'll never forget, I'm getting ready to go in that surgery. And this is before anesthesia. And I felt just such a peace. 
I felt a peace. Remember, God said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. I felt a presence and a peace and I went to that surgery unafraid. Listen, he not only is out here, he's not only with us, he actually lives in us. When you make Jesus your Lord, here's a verse in Romans. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead, did God raise Jesus from the dead? Yes. The spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. You realize that the Holy Spirit lives in you? And they say, well, I don't feel him. Listen, so many things. Guys, we have to understand. Old Testament dealt with things on the outside. Outside sacrifices. Presence of God was in the pillar of cloud. Presence of God was in a fire. In the new covenant, things have moved inside. We don't have to go to a temple to worship. You don't even have to go to a church to worship. You can worship God wherever you are because we are now the temple of the living God. He now lives in us. And he's not just in us to go for a ride. He's not just in us to go, hey, the spirit of God lives in me. He is in us to teach us and to guide us and to help us and to heal us and to do amazing things and to lead us in the way that's right. We have a helper. Jesus said, I'm going to pray the Father. He's going to give you another helper that he may be with you forever. The spirit of truth, the spirit of truth, he can live in us. And when you made Jesus your Lord, whether you feel like it or not, he lives in you. When I was 19 years old, I received the Lord and I, I was selling books one summer. When I came back, some of you have heard this story before, but it bears repeating. When I came back to college, I got hooked up with my fraternity brothers again and, and my life shifted. No church, no Christian friends, no Christian family, and my life shifted. And actually, by the time I graduated from college, you couldn't tell any difference in, in before Christ Allen and after Christ Allen. If you'd looked and said, is that young man a Christian? Everyone would have gone, no, he's not a Christian. I'd made Jesus my Lord, but I'd fallen so far away. I went up to, I got a great job working for a company called Wrangler Jeans. I'm selling Wrangler Jeans. And they sent me to a, a beautiful little town in Virginia in the Shenandoah Valley. It's gorgeous. I was going to be in their plant where they make jeans. And I, I trained there for a couple of weeks. I partied hard. I did things I'm embarrassed of. Say, tell us, I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> I did things that, that were embarrassing. And when the time training was over, it was about this time of year, I'm getting ready to come back to my home in North Carolina. And I, it was such a nice day, summer day in the mountains, I actually rolled my windows down in my Plymouth Reliant K car. And uh, I'm cruising down the, and I start singing. I'm just saying, well, why don't you sing now? Listen, everyone can sing. Not everyone should. And so <laughs> I, I just started to sing and I'm singing and somehow I got into singing Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. And the presence of God filled that car. I mean, I could hardly see to drive and I'm just weeping because his presence was so sweet. It wasn't condemning me. It wasn't criticizing me. It was the Holy Spirit, the comforter, trying to guide me back, reminding me of God's love for me. Do I encourage people to say, well, Helen, that's what I need to do. I need to go out and party hard so God's presence can come in my car. No, 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 no. 
No. But within two, two months, I have, I'd come back. What, what's he trying to do? He's trying to pull me back. What does the Holy Spirit try to do in your life? He tries to guide you into the right way. He tries to guide you into the truth. He tries to help you. But his presence was so sweet. And within two months, I'm back. He's good. And he's not far off. He lives in us. Here's the last thing. Because God's with us, because we found grace in his sight, we're a people who are different. We are different. You see, we have something that other religions don't have, don't offer. I heard people say, well, Alan, do you believe that all paths lead to God? No, I don't. There's only, Alan, are you saying that there's only one way to God? No, I'm not. Jesus said, there's only one way to God. Jesus is the one that said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And nobody comes to the Father but by me. He said it. I believe him. And that's what I'm basing my eternity on. But we have a difference between us. We have a way to God. But we're the only ones that actually have the spirit of the founder living in us. If you talk to someone who's a Buddhist, oh, I've, we know some very nice people. But if you ask them, does the spirit of Buddha live in you? They'll go, oh, no, no. If you talk to a Muslim, say, does the spirit of Allah live in you? They would say, no, no, Allah doesn't live. If you talk to a Hindu, they have thousands of gods. Do they, the spirit of their gods live in you? They would say, no, no. But we're the ones that can say, not only do we have a savior, but he's promised he would never leave us or forsake us. And he actually comes and lives in us. This is why Paul wrote in 2 Timothy when he wrote the church. In 2 Timothy, he said, for God has not given us. We have a gift, guys. He's not given us a spirit of fear, but a power and of love and of a sound mind. Do you realize what we have on the inside is stronger than anything that comes against us from the outside. And the world who is so afraid and so anxious and so filled with fear, we don't have to have that. Because we have the spirit of him who is the creator, who is the alpha and the omega, and he lives on the inside of us. So we don't have to be afraid. What an advantage. In South Africa, in the 1800s, 1860s, a farmer began to hear about other South African farmers who had discovered diamonds in their farms. And it made them instant millionaires. And in the 1800s, being a millionaire is like being a billionaire today. They, he got so excited about the prospect of finding diamonds that he sold his farm and began to traverse all of South Africa. And all, he went all over the African continent trying to find diamonds. Spent all the money he had with his farm sale. He'd owned the farm free and clear. Spent all the money. Wound up just being depressed and despondent never found the diamonds. Meanwhile, back on the farm, the man who he sold the farm to, now the owner of the, of the farm was walking across a stream one day and he looked down and he saw a real beautiful uh, glimmering rock and he picked it up. I thought, oh, this is really pretty. And he put it on his mantle. A few weeks after that, a friend of his was visiting and he saw the rock on the mantle. He said, can I see that? The guy said, sure. And uh, the man went and picked it up and he looked at it, the weight of it. He looked at his friend and said, do you know what this is? His friend said, yeah, it's, it's like a real pretty piece of crystal. He said, 
I found it in the stream. He said, stream's full of them. They're not as big as that one, but the stream is full of them. And I said, this isn't crystal. He said, this may be one of the largest diamonds I've ever seen ever. The whole stream was full of diamonds. That farm became one of the biggest diamond mines in South Africa. This man, the original owner, had sold a farm looking for something that was right there all the time. What am I saying this morning? So much of the time, people, they're looking for God. They're looking, hope that God would be close to them. Hope that God would hear them. Hope that God would, would have a relationship with him. And when you make Jesus your Lord and Savior, not only are, do you have a relationship with him, now he comes and lives in us by his Holy Spirit. He helps us. He guides us. He teaches us. He heals us. We're not far from God. Oh, we're close. His presence is in us. And that makes all the difference in the world. Would you bow your head for a moment? Sandra bowed and eyes are closed. If, if you're watching online or maybe you're, you're here this morning and you're saying, you know, Alan, I don't know that I have a relationship with the Lord. I don't know that I've ever asked him to be my Lord and Savior. Sandra bowed and eyes are closed. We won't give you an opportunity to do that. Or maybe you're like I was. Maybe you're someone who had a relationship. You'd made Jesus your Lord. And then for some reason, whatever the other, life happened and you walked away. And this morning you're saying, man, I want to come back. I, I want that relationship with the living God who can live in me and make such a difference. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed, no one's looking around. But if that's you that I'm talking to and you want our prayers, I'm going to ask you to do one thing. Not stand up, not come to the front. But if you want our prayers, if you say, Alan, I, I don't know where I stand with God, but I want to. Or Alan, I know I've been away from God and I want to come back. Would you pray for me? Would you shoot your hand up quickly right across this auditorium and say, Alan, that's me that you're talking to. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Anybody else? Great. You can put your hands down. We're going to pray. Maybe you didn't lift your hand. Maybe you're thinking, oh, I should have lifted my hand. Obviously, if you're online, I can't see you. But you're saying, I do want, I do want this relationship with God. I do want to come back to Him. Well, you can join us in this prayer. I'm going to lead you in it. As a church family, we're going to pray. If you're by yourself, you pray it out loud. If you're with other people, pray it quietly. But pray after this. Say, dear God, I know mankind needs a Savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I said yes to you. I've had still bowed and eyes closed. Father, thank you for those that prayed that prayer, for those who stepped out of spiritual darkness into the light, and for those who've come back. And Father, for the rest of us, thank you that you live in us, that we found grace in your sight, that there is a difference, Father, we thank you for the living reality of your spirit in us. Thank you for what you're doing in us and what you'll do through us to reach a dark world who needs you desperately. We give you all the praise for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. We hope this message has blessed you. Don't forget to check us out on all the social platforms. We're uploading encouraging content on a regular basis. For more information, go to thearcchurch.com. Have a great week.